Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. It's the monster from the swamps, Regis Ruguru Program. Hey, what's up? This is King Carlos Molina, former IBF world champ. This is Michael, the bounty hunter, 2012 Olympian and your people's champ. This is Charlie Edwards, flyweight champion of the world. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 355 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined as ever by former heavyweight world title challenger, my good friend, Mr. Fast Eddie Chambers. Eddie, how you doing this week, my man? No, I'm doing good, my man. How about you? Always good when speaking with you, Eddie. That is the truth. We're going to dive straight into the review part of the show here. We're going to start with a card that took place on Saturday at the Bournemouth International Centre in Dorset, United Kingdom. This one was live on Sky. If you watched it, we're going to start with the undercard here. Um, Caroline Dubois with a win, a TKO in round three against Happy Dowdy, who's now 11 and 11 with a draw. Caroline Dubois now 3 and 0, I believe, with two KOs. Um, I think a clear future world champion, I think we can say that already about her. Fraser Clark with a win, he's now 2 and 0. He was able to make Quick work, really, of Ariel Bracamonte, a former Dave Allen opponent. I think he might have been drafted in on short notice, to be fair to him, but still a big old unit. Um, <laughs> I say that um, almost with a smile on my face because uh, he's not in the best of shape, of course. But, yeah, he came in at £309. You've got to take him somewhat seriously. Uh, I think he weighed £309. But anyway, he got in there, like I say, with Fraser Clark. Fraser Clark took him out in two rounds, so Fraser Clark now 2-0, and Bracamonte 11-9. and Elsewhere on the card, the pro debut for Ben Whitaker, the Olympic silver medalist from the latest Olympics. He was able to knock out in two rounds Greg O'Neill, who's now 6-7 and with a draw. Um, I mean, we all knew that Ben Whitaker was going to get the stoppage in that fight there. It was just a case of what round was it going to be if he went to the second half of the fight. You know, I think some people wouldn't have been too pleased, but he looked really, really good. Um, very, very flashy, of course, making Greg O'Neill miss and kind of, you know, taking him for a bit of an idiot at times, I think. I don't think it's sometimes that necessary because he's so flamboyant, it's so cocky. And I don't think you need to do it against, you know, a guy like this that, that you know, isn't a threat at all. I would like to see Ben Whitaker do that to a more established name, absolutely. Sometimes you can overdo it, in my opinion. Some people love it, some people hate it, and, and they don't like it at all. It doesn't matter who you're in with. But when you see a guy be that cocky, be that flashy with a complete out-and-out journeyman sometimes I think okay do it a little bit but don't overdo it I think at times he did overdo it but listen it's exciting and you have to sell yourself in some way to make it I, I believe I believe in that and um, you know he's, he's, he's a medalist from the Olympics he's turned pro he's looked good he's got a knockout he was flashy he's got a very bright personality um, I think he said he's the full package, he's got everything, the personality, the looks, he can fight, all the rest of it, so it's going to be an exciting journey and I can't wait really to see it 
unfold. Um, good stuff for him, 1-0. Also on the card, we had Stephen McKenna move to 12-0, a TKO in round two. Another knockout for him. This time his victim was Facundo Rojas, who's now 6-6 six six with a draw. Mikel Lawau as well with a win, a KO in round two against Crispulo Andino, who's now 22-13 and 13 with a draw. Lawal now 16-0. Joe Pigford with a knockout in round three against Raphael King. Pigford's now 20-0 with 19 KOs. I just don't understand as well. Are they going to step him up anytime soon? We need to see him box for a title. I don't think he's ever boxed for a title. Um... Raphael King, as I say, was in the opposite corner. He's now 15-2 and two with a draw. Not a bad-looking record, but I think he was flown in on... Or I'm not sure flown in, but he, he turned up, you know, uh, on fight week. I don't think he had much notice. It seems like a lot of people on this card didn't have much notice. And getting on to the main event, Chris Billum-Smith now 16-1. and one, A unanimous decision over 12 rounds against Isaac Chamberlain, who's now 14-2. and two. It was, of course, for the EBU Cruiserweight Championship and the Commonwealth title. Um, the first half of the fight, I mean, there were so many momentum swings. I think a few people picked up on that. Both men were throwing hell for leather, really, in the first few in particular. And I felt that both men at times were hurt. Isaac's left eye became swollen quite early on in the contest. I decided not to actually score the fight round by round, but... I felt that the cleaner of the work early on was a lot of the time Chamberlain's and the volume and the more maybe powerful shots, the more perhaps eye-catching shots were from Billum Smith. But I did think Billum Smith was in the driving seat for most of the fight. And as the fight wore on, of course, that's when Billum Smith, you know, despite looking dog-tired at times, was able to find another gear and dig deep. And Isaac couldn't quite keep up the pace with him. And, you know, maybe that was that recent ring inactivity that I mentioned last week and maybe that bit Chamberlain in the backside and maybe the reverse effect for Chris Billum-Smith maybe it gave him that extra gear as I said because he had been the distance in a few hard domestic fights of late and yeah um, there's no doubting Isaac Chamberlain's heart I mean I I told everyone that years ago I remember being at York Hall when his shoulder uh, got dislocated and the referee stopped the fight for the doctor to come in and have a look at it because he literally couldn't move it and he clicked it into place in front of everybody with with you know this um this I never forget the face he had on when he was putting it in his eyes rolled back in his head as he clicked it back into place you can see the pain was just unbelievable um so there's no doubt in his heart he went on to win that fight of course against Wadi Camacho um but yeah I feel I feel for Isaac Chamberlain really cuz I don't think he's got a lot out of his career and he finds himself in another really bad spot here. Um, you know, he's kind of in no man's land. He has, again, all the skills and all the rest of it, but he just hasn't really been manoeuvred properly, I don't think. And I'm not sure what is going to happen with his career, really, because obviously he's been in, you know, two big fights. He's lost both times. Um and I just don't know. I mean, there's other domestic fights. Maybe someone like a Dion Juma, but he's already been in there with the likes of Luke Watkins and beat him, and it was close, but I didn't think it should have been close. I think he won it clearly, but he's kind of like... I don't know, he finds himself in a difficult position because he is better than certain people domestically, but I'm not so sure he's the best domestically. <laughs> so I don't know where he goes because Chris Billum-Smith... 
I mean, he's a European champion, so maybe maybe Isaac's one of the best we've got in the UK and strictly just the UK. Don't go any further. Maybe that's where his position will be. But it's a shame because I think he's got enough skills and enough tools to go beyond that. But whether or not we'll see it, I don't know. Um, you need the opportunities, of course, and everything, the timing, it all has to be right. But as for Chris Billumsmith, really pleased for him. Another scalp on his record, another credible scalp. And I do want to see him get the rematch with Richard Riakpour. I think that would put the icing on what's been a good run. And arguably, he should have won that fight against Riakpour. I think there was a, a dodgy knockdown that cost him the fight on the scorecards. Anyway, that's it for the main event there. Let's move now to another one that took place on the same night in the UK, the two shows clashed. Um, let's start with the undercard. Pat McCormack with a win now, 2-0, a TKO in round two against Dimitri Trenel, who's now 8-2. Harlem Eubank with a win now, 15-0. We don't see it very often, but his opponent, Elliot Chavez of Mexico, was actually disqualified in round nine of a 10-rounder. He's now 11-5 with a draw, friend of the show, um, Harlem Eubank. Um... Very, very, very strange, strange, strange fight, to be honest with you. Um, because the referee called break, I think, I can't remember what round it was in now, but he, he called break, and then Chavez hit Harlem Eubank with about two or three shots and put him down. Um, and it was after the referee called break. So, you know, Harlem Eubank goes down, and it was quite, you know, he was, he was dropped quite heavily, to be honest with you. I think the first punch, he, when they showed you this slow motion replay, the first punch, he took it and kind of put his arms up like, whoa, what's going on? And he looked at the referee, and then he gets hit with another one, then he goes down, and his head kind of fell through the bottom rope. And he took a few minutes, to be honest. The referee gave him five minutes, but he took a few minutes to kind of um, regroup before jumping straight back in and, you know, continuing the the rest of the fight. Um, so, yeah, really, he could have stayed down and got a disqualification, and many people would have, but he decided to get back up, and I admire him for that. He's a really uh, good guy, Harlem Eubank, certainly one of my favourites. Um, so yeah, he got back up, he decided to continue, and Chavez said he couldn't understand the language of what the referee said when he said break, and then he said that if Chavez were to do it again, he'd be disqualified, and lo and behold, in round nine, he did do it again, and this time the referee had no other choice but to disqualify him. It wasn't as bad the second time round, he didn't put Harlem Eubank down, but um, yeah, he was disqualified and rightly so. I actually had a bet on Harlem Eubank to win on points, so I was a bit annoyed that he got stopped in round 9 of 10, but he certainly was cruising to a points win, and yeah, that's that really. Moving to the main event on that card, Josh Kelly now 12-1 and with a draw, a unanimous decision over 10 rounds against Lucas Bastida, who's now 18-2 and with a draw. Um, yeah, it was for the WBO International Super Welterweight title. I'm happy for Kelly. Um, it's another win, I guess, on this comeback trial that he's on after losing to Avenesian. He's been messed around a little bit. Um, I think a couple of pullouts and stuff recently. So I'm happy for him to... I think he's fought now twice quite in, in, in quite quick succession. So I'm happy that he's back active again. Um, he needs to have another run at something. Um, I did try and get him on this week's show. I reached out a couple times, didn't hear anything back. So unfortunately, he's not our guest this week. But um, yeah, all the best to him. Good win and um, tough opponent, which we knew, to be totally honest. Um, moving out now to the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, New York, USA. Um, 
Let's start with the undercard over here. Sergei Derevianchenko with a win, now 14-4. and four. A unanimous decision win over 10 rounds against Joshua Conley, who's now 17-4 and four with a draw. Very wide on the cards, I think about 9-1, 8-2, stuff like that for Derevianchenko. Happy for him to get a win, because as I said on last week's show, I think he'd lost maybe four of his last five fights, but he'd been in there with some of the best fighters, or absolutely the best fighters, to be honest, in the world at his weight, like... Uh, you know, the Golovkins, the Charlos, and a couple of other guys, Jacobs as well. So happy for him to get a win. I still think he's not quite done, even though his record doesn't look the prettiest. He's still one of the best fighters in the world. Adam Kaunaki, Eddie, I'm not sure if you saw any of this. He's now 20-3. and three. That is three back-to-back defeats. Obviously, he got stopped by... Um, by uh, Hellenius in both the fights. He got in with... Did he get stopped in both the fights? I think he did. And then he gets in here with Ali Aaron Demarizan, who, as I said, had quite an extensive amateur background. His one loss as a pro came to Effia Jagbar. And yeah, Demarizan, man, he fought well. He took some good shots, had to soak them up. But all in all, he put the pressure on Kaunaki, which we don't always see. And um, yeah, Kaunaki with absolutely no head movement. I felt really bad because I like Kaunaki. He's been on the show before. He's a friend of the show. If you've been on the show before, it means I support you in your fights. So I wanted him to win. But I had to say that I did... Um, I did actually tweet saying that he reminds me of a snowman because he's built like one. You know, he doesn't have any hair and he does not move his head. And I think a few people liked that, but <laughs> I like him, like I say, but I think it was quite a, quite a good resemblance. Um, but yeah, I don't know where he goes. He's in he's in a heap of trouble. I d- again, Eddie, I don't know if you saw any of it, but to hear that Kaunaki's now racked up three losses in a row, um, he's right. in a terrible position. I think he even said himself, like, before the fight, that if he were to lose, like, what's the point in carrying on? Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, funny and funny, funniest thing, I'm actually uh, in the camp, you know, his I think his brother uh, helps run the camp for uh, uh, this kid named Damian Niaba. He's really young. I've been sparring with him recently, but he's pretty good. And I was, you know, I was talking with him the day of the fight, funny enough. And he'd say, oh, yeah, yeah, Adam has a fight tonight. And I'm like, okay, I'm so you know, fully expecting him to win the fight. Figuring it's a good comeback fight you know, for him or something like that. But to hear that he lost, and I was actually talking to people who was actually watching that. I couldn't get it on for, you know, for some reason. And they say, yeah, he lost. And, and, and I'm like, wow. You know what I mean? To lose the two fights that he wasn't expected to lose with Alanius. And he said, okay, well, Hellenius at one point in his career was 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 somewhat of a special guy, somebody who, you know, you was figuring it would be a force to be reckoned with. But not I don't know about this kid that he lost to. You know, I don't know much about him. You know what I mean? But to lose again in a fight that most people figured that you were going to win, it just really puts you in a bad place. Now, it doesn't mean his career is over. It just means that now he has to understand that he's going to be fighting the B-side He's going to be looked at as a stepping stone. So for him, in order to win and become the Adam Kalnowski of, of, of the past, he's going to have to do it on the road. You understand what I'm saying? He's going to have to do it in a, in, a, in, a, in a way that he's not necessarily used to doing. You know what I mean? He's going to have to take maybe some short money, you know, for some tough fights for some short money. And it's going to be difficult, but he can do it. You know what I mean? He's a tough guy. He's got a good uh, good motor. Seems like a respectable dude. So... 
You just got to get back in the gym. You got to start working on moving your head. <laughs> you just got to start working on prolonging your career. Because at this time, you know what I mean, you can't continue to take punch, take a punch and throw a punch. And as you get older, you start to get a whole lot more tenderized. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, you know, unfortunately, he's lost. You know, he seems like a good guy, you know. I hope he gets gets himself back in. You know, I'm always for the underdog, underdog especially guys who are getting, you know, are aging and looking like they're falling off. So I want to see him. I want to see him come back and come back strong. Yeah, and when I tweeted that about him being like a snowman, someone pointed out that Demarizan's, um nickname is actually the Iceman, which was kind of interesting. Um for Cal Naki, I remember him bursting on the scene about five years ago when he knocked out Arta Spilka, um, you know, which was very, very impressive because I remember obviously Arta Spilka uh, in the fight before had given a really good account of himself to Deontay Wilder, and it took Wilder a long time to get him out of there. It was late that he got him out of there, but obviously. Um, Kaunaki did it very early, and then after that, you know, he went in there with the the usual suspects. Really, I, I guess I'm I'm going to call them. In fact, that's probably a little bit disrespectful. But he got in there with Kaladzi, Iago Kaladzi. That's a guy who, you know, loses every big fight. He's lost to Joe Joyce, Michael Hunter, people like that, Eureka Lenga, and um, you know, he knocked him out as well. So he put those two back to back knockouts together. Then he went the distance and beat Charles Martin which was a very good win as well. He was the second man to beat Martin at the time. Martin had only lost to Joshua. So that was a good win for Kalnaki. And everyone started to get a bit carried away, you know, saying, oh, this guy could potentially do something. Um, everyone started believing in him, especially the Eastern, European, uh, Eastern, Eastern Europeans. Then he gets in there with Gerald Washington, knocks him out in two rounds. Brilliant. He's doing all the right things. Then he has that brilliant fight against Chris Ariola, where they threw about 10,000 punches and he beat Ariola on points and then yeah the two back-to-back defeats against Hellenius both by knockout kind of reminds me a little bit of David Price when he was knocking out all these names then all of a sudden he gets found out by Tony Thompson and completely has his career derailed um he could never end up getting it back on track David Price because any good win he got was followed shortly after by a, a vicious loss. And, um, yeah, for Kaunaki, I fear he might be in the same position. Obviously, he's nothing like David Price in terms of his boxing skills, his boxing style, his body type, his build, his, his height, or anything like that. But I just think career-wise, banging out good fighters, looking good, beating former world champions, beating former title challengers and stuff, and then... Loses to an older guy in Hellenius, just like Tony Thompson when he was about 44 when he beat um, David Price. And yeah, he's come back against a guy who people thought he could beat. But it was a tough fight, to be honest. I gave him credit for jumping in with him because he was coming off about a year out of the ring as well. So yeah, it didn't go right for him. Um, Elsewhere on the card, we had... Uh, Gary Antoine Russell, now 16-0, and 0, friend of the show, a TKO in round six against Rancis Bartholomew, Bartholomew down in round six. Um, happy for Gary Antoine Russell, obviously, he extends that knockout streak, but I have a big issue with the stoppage. Rancis Bartholomew, for the first time in his career, suffers a loss by knockout, he's now 29-2 and two with a draw. Um, what I didn't like is that when Bartholomew went down, 
He got back up. For me, he was clearly okay. And the referee straight away waved it off. I couldn't see what the referee saw. I looked at the guy's eyes in slow motion. I looked at the guy's legs. There was nothing that indicated that he couldn't continue, especially when you know about the guy. He's a tough guy. You know, he'd never been stopped. I'm not sure if or... I don't know if he'd been down or... If he has been down, he's certainly been down only a small number of times. He's he's a generally tough guy. Good chin. You know, Cuban fighter. And um, he was in this fight at times actually standing and trading with Gary Antoine Russell and you know having big moments I think he he hurt Gary Antoine Russell a couple times and he's not really known as a big banger and it's not really his style at all to stand there and bang so you know the way the fight had gone and what you already know about Barthelemy as a fighter and the fact he got back up off the floor and looked fine I don't understand how the referee can read into that and say, I need to stop the fight. Sometimes a referee might subconsciously stop a fight because of the fighter's history. That happens, okay? So if we saw, for example, David Price, who we just spoke about uh, a minute ago, if David Price gets knocked down, you know he's been viciously slept before. So if you see him get knocked uh, knocked down in a fight and he gets back up, sometimes the referee subconsciously thinks to himself oh this guy's took a lot of punishment throughout his career and they'll stop the fight sometimes prematurely or more premature than they should do on a normal day however uh, that wasn't the case here because that's not what's happened to Rancis Barthelemy another thing is if a guy is taking an absolute pasting and then after being hit and hurt so many times he finally goes down and the referee kind of saves him and says yeah I'm going to call this fight off but that's again not what happened I just couldn't get my head around it to be honest with you so the guy doesn't have a history of being beaten up he doesn't have uh, he didn't he didn't fight in a way where he was taking big punches and being hurt repeatedly in that fight there and I can't remember the other uh, there was three things that referees do to stop fights and anyway he didn't tick any of the three boxes so I don't know what the referee saw it was a terrible terrible stoppage some people saying the worst stoppage they've ever seen is certainly up there um, in other news let's go to the main event Danny Garcia now 37-3 and three, a majority decision over 12 rounds against Jose Benavidez Jr um, I was very 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 disappointed in Benavidez obviously being the taller guy the bigger guy naturally I thought he could perhaps do something but no for me he just got outboxed and he waited patiently way too long there'd be so many times where he'd stand in front of Danny Garcia and just wait to counter but you know Garcia would just fight at his own pace he'd land his punches and he a lot of the time would would just move out the wave by the time that uh, Benavidez would counter he'd be out there uh, out of the way out of out of punching range so I think Danny Garcia boxed quite well. I think Benavidez, though, more so was very disappointing. And, um, yeah, it was never a close fight, I don't think. I didn't score it at all, like I say. But for me, I struggled to give Benavidez four rounds. I think maybe I probably gave him two or three, something like that. Maybe four at a stretch, I don't know. But certainly shouldn't have been a majority decision, I don't think so. And just before, because I almost forgot there, the the Barthelemy and Russell fight, I do want to say that's two stoppages in a row now that have been extremely questionable that Gary Russell Jr. or Gary Antoine Russell I should say has picked up so he still has that 100% knockout 
uh, ratio intact. But the sad thing is that the two previous knockouts, this one and the last one, have both been very, very questionable. Especially the last one before this one. God, that one against Victor Postel was criminal. But anyway... He continues with the knockouts, but it is what it is. Anyway, that is it, though, for the review part of the show. The final thing for me to do just before we wrap up this part is to welcome our special guest on this week's podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the former IBF Super Featherweight World Champion. It is, of course, Mr. Tevin Farmer. Tevin, welcome back on the show, my man. Hey, thanks for having me, man. Hey, it's always a pleasure having you on, Tevin. It really is. So we last spoke back in January of 2020. Um, I was in New Jersey at the time, the good old days, pre-pandemic. You were getting ready to fight Joseph Diaz later that month. Uh, the fight obviously didn't end up going to plan. You lost the title. I'll be honest because that's what I do. But something for me seemed to be off with you. You didn't fight how you usually do. That's not me taking anything away from Diaz. He fought with a nasty cut. He he boxed really well. But something for me was wrong with you. Your timing was off. Yeah. What actually happened now? Looking back, Tevin, you've had it, enough it, time it, to it, reflect. It, 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 it was it was multiple things wrong. Um, the weight cut and it was a lot of things wrong. Um, but the thing is, I had a rematch and they didn't give my rematch clause. I got effed over on that. Um, they didn't give my rematch clause for a reason. They fought it for a reason because they know, even at my worst, that night I gave them hell. And. I want to get on to your upcoming fight in just a minute, and I know that obviously for your upcoming fight there's been multiple postponements and stuff delaying it, but obviously you you touched on it there, the rematch with Diaz was supposed to happen, but all in all, by the time you get in the ring um, in a few days' time, it's going to be just over two and a half years since you last fought. Um, what has kept you out the ring that long? It can't just be the Diaz rematch not happening and all these postponements. Well, well, some of it, some of it was COVID. Yeah. Um, some of it was um the rematch, and then others the the the, the other time was just you know just waiting for the right moment and, and you know just enjoying the fruit of my labor and and um things like that you know. Okay. And what have you been doing in the meantime, Tevin? I mean, I don't want to get too personal into your personal business kind of thing, but what have you been doing in the meantime to, you know, to, to, to make money and the rest of that? You know, just just doing, handling my business um, thing that I got going on, um, spending spend time with the family, just living life, you know, just, just living life and enjoying all the hard work that, I, that I've been putting in with boxing. The past few years, you know, I haven't really had time off. I've been fighting back to back to back, so just things like that. Yeah, absolutely. And as I said, you're fighting August 12th in Arizona. You'll be boxing former IBF lightweight world champion Mickey Bay. The fight initially was set to take place in Africa, then Dubai. Um, what happened, and how did it end up finally taking place in Arizona? <laughs> well, well, Africa um, it didn't happen because of COVID. Um, a lot of COVID restrictions. And then Dubai didn't happen because of the last week we was there, the president had had passed away. And, you know, over there, they don't celebrate or do anything for, for about 40 days. And, you know, Floyd Mayweather had a fight the same weekend, and he couldn't even fight. So he had to go to Abu Dhabi, which is um a, a, a little while from um Dubai. 
Yeah, no, for sure. And are you happier that the fight's happening in, in the States finally, even though it's right across the other side of the country? I mean, I'm, I'm satisfied either way. Um, I'm, I'm definitely more happy, though. You know, we can get a lot of fans, um, our local fans and our families and stuff like that to come out. And would you agree, Tevin, that maybe yourself and Mickey are both in similar positions in your careers right now? I mean, um, a little different, but yeah, I agree. A little different, though. Yeah, no, I understand that. Um, I think it is a difficult one. I mean, yeah, you had quite a reign as a world champion. He obviously didn't. A lot of people think he was lucky to win the title, but his losses haven't been that bad losses. I mean, when you look yeah. back at the, the Cambosos loss, a split decision, look what he went on to do. Um, are you worried about the ring rust? I know Mickey's actually coming off more uh, no, ring I mean, activity than you are. Yeah, I mean, we both, we both coming off um, a long way off, but the thing is this, we go boxing. People don't understand. Sometimes being off can, can help you just as, just as bad it can do it can do good for you just as it can do worse for you. Yeah. In, in, in my case, I was fighting more than anybody in the world, including Canelo. So this, so, so so the break for me was necessary. I feel. Yeah, no, I understand that. I think that's an interesting uh, view, to be honest. Um, you said there that you're kind of similar in terms of uh, you're at similar stages in your career a little bit. But one thing I know you will agree with, you've both kind of had to take the hard road, I think. I don't think you've had easy careers, either of you. Um, and, you I, you know, sometimes I'd even say you've not been managed the greatest along the way. Neither has he, I don't think. Where oh, does... I, I, I didn't have a... I, I wasn't managed at all. I was just fighting. Exactly, exactly. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> right. But um, where does the winner go and where does the loser go? Because it's a tough spot for the loser, man. I have no idea. You know, he's boxing. He's boxing has changed tremendously. He And I don't know. <laughs> he, I, I don't know. You know, boxing has changed a lot. And you don't know what to expect with boxing nowadays. Is there any plan in place at all? I'm guessing you've obviously sat down and you're thinking, right, I'm going to get this win. Is there any talk of the next step at this stage or not? Hopefully I can get back in the ring working working on November. Okay, so you would like to fight again this year? 100%. Perfect, okay. And I want to ask you this as well. I believe this fight is at 135, is that right? Yeah, 135. Is that where you're going to be staying or will you be back down at 130? No, I'll stay at 135. Okay, interesting, interesting. Is there any names on your hit list? Because obviously there's one real champion at that weight now, Devin Haney. Yeah, Devin, uh, he he, 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 he undisputed, actually. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. There's one guy who's got all the belts. Is there, is there yeah, any I think Devin Haney? Yeah, I think Devin Haney is moving up, though, to 140. Maybe, maybe so. But is there anyone yeah. at 135 that you've got your eye on, like they're on your hit list? All of them. All of them? Anyone in particular or no? No, I don't in particular. You know, I got to do whatever it takes um, to, 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 to get the title at 135, become a two-time world champion. Um, I think Devin going to 140. Um, he had a good friend of mine, him and his dad. So um, I, 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 I'm hoping they go to 140 so they can relinquish the belts. And um, I could beat everybody else and then fight, you know. And if you don't go to 140, then, you know, eventually, if it makes sense for the both of us, and then me and him will fight. But but until then, um, I'd rather him go to 140 because he's, he's actually 
I feel like he's a big guy, and I feel like he's getting too big for 135. And um, he go to 140, some belts, and I go take over. And even though you want to stay at 135, obviously that's down to you. But just from my point of view, I would I would have loved to have seen you back at 130, just because the division's so exciting at the minute. Obviously, with the likes, well, of... they gotta yeah, they go. gotta come up because they gotta come up. I, I did my part at 130, at 130 already. I proved myself already in their week. All it is is that there's a guy, obviously, I don't know if you saw the fight, but um, Eddie Hearn has got um, Joe Caldina, who just knocked out Kenichi Ogawa. That would be That's easy word. I beat the shit. I beat the shit out. I beat the shit out because he's Ogawa. And, and Eddie Hearn wasn't there put one of his fighters in there with me. Yeah, no, I understand that. Um, okay, yeah. 135 is where we're at. Okay, no problem at all. There's a lot of big fights there. Of course, a lot of good it's, it's contenders. A lot of fights there. Yeah, there's a lot of good contenders. A lot of guys in the States as well. Yeah, it's, it's, 135 is a hell of a division. You know, I'm going to go there and run it. Yeah, no, it always has had a lot of big big names. Doesn't always get the credit, that division, but I like you in that in that division. It's, it's a good addition to it. Uh, just before we wrap things up, Tevin, if you've got any closing words, I always like to say, if you want to say anything before we let you go, you can say whatever you like. Like I say, we yeah. haven't had you on for a couple of years now. I just want everybody to tune in. Um, they go, they go all, or if, you, if you're around the area or you want to fly in, you, you, can, you can purchase tickets from, from my Instagram, link in my bio. Um, and you also can watch it, the link in my bio. And, you know, it's, it's going down August 12th in Tevin Four and Mickey Bay. And um, I'm excited, man. Shout out to um, Bay, Bay Brothers Promotions, Tevin Farmer Promotions, um, EJ, Shante, Big in the Life Entertainment and stuff like that, you know. Um, big things on the 12th, you know. And then the winner, which will be me, looking to do bigger things, you know. And, you know, become two-time world champion. There we go. It goes down in Arizona, August 12th. Once again, hit Tevin up on Instagram. The link for the tickets is in his bio. And also, Tevin, you didn't plug it, but I'm going to. Go on YouTube and follow Life as Tevin and Poker. <laughs> ah, my man. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah. I'm going to get back to my YouTube thing. And my Instagram, whoever don't know it, is TevinForman22. There we go. There we go. Listen, Tevin, it's always great speaking with you, brother. Thank you for your hey, time. You too. Best of luck. And we'll speak after for sure. I appreciate it. Shout out to y'all, man. Thank you. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, usually is the news part of the show, but there's no news. So if anything develops from now to the end of the show, I'll talk about it on the outro. So with no further ado, let's move straight to the preview part of the show. We're going to start here. Um, on Saturday at the SSE Arena, the Odyssey, the former Odyssey Arena, I think it used to be called, in Belfast, United Kingdom. Not so sure which channel this is going to be on or if it's even going to be on TV. I've got no idea, actually. But anyway, it's going to be quite interesting, I think, this card. Let's start with the undercard. We've got Sean McComb, 13-1 and in a six-rounder against Ramiro Blanco, who's 18-11-3. and We also have Paddy Donovan, 8-0, and getting in with Tom. Hill, who's 10 and 2, that's over eight rounds. Brilliant fight on the undercard here that I really love. Tyrone McKenna, 22 and 3 with a draw, gets in with Chris Jenkins, 23 and 5 with three draws. I tell you what, that's a great, great fight, and I was stunned to see that Tyrone McKenna's such a massive favourite. I was absolutely stunned about that because I guess career wise, he hasn't achieved what Chris Jenkins has achieved. And then I thought to myself, why is Chris Jenkins the underdog here? Then I thought, oh yeah, he did get banged out early against. Florian Marku 
Lukaku, maybe that's it. Because prior to that, he was doing okay. He beat Julius Ndongo. And then um, I thought to myself, what has McKenna done lately? Well, in his last fight, he got banged out by Regis Progre. So, yeah, it's kind of strange. But really and truly, I guess that, you know, both guys are coming off knockout losses. Um, I would say that Chris Jenkins is more established and has, you know, better skills and everything than Tyro McKenna. Is Tyro McKenna, though, a little bit fresher? I don't know, but I was very surprised to see Chris Jenkins, quite a big underdog. I'm going to put a little tiny bet on him um, to, to, to win the fight. We'll see how that one goes. Elsewhere on the card, we have Padraig McCrory, 13-0, and 0, getting in with Marco Antonio Paraban. That's a man who I haven't seen for a long time. I actually thought he was uh, retired, to be honest, Paraban. Oh, my God. I remember him getting in with the likes of <laughs> the likes of James DeGaulle all those years ago. Um, yeah, been in there with James DeGaulle, Joshua Boatze, uh, Jay Leon Love, Avni Yildirim, and I think one or two others. But, yeah, Paraban. Wow, that's a name from the past um that's gonna be weird and the main event michael conlon this is so interesting michael conlon 16 and 1 gets in with miguel mariaga who's 30 and 5 of colombia now miguel mariaga 26 ko's from his 30 wins so he can certainly bang there's no question about that remember michael conlon is coming off that knockout where he was knocked out brutally where he was knocked out of the actual ring in round 12 against lee wood so he's getting straight back in with arguably the biggest puncher that he's ever boxed so i think that's crazy and also mariaga um he does have his limitations and his limitations are that he himself um, isn't the best, I guess, in terms of his skills. He doesn't have the skills of Conlon. Conlon will be picking up a nice early lead, I think, in this fight here, if he's not gun-shy in any way, if he's, if he's going to be able to come back in this fight here and not think about being knocked out, because if he's thinking about being knocked out and he's a little bit hesitant, then he could end up getting hit early on, and he could end up, you know, staying hit, as they say. Uh, it's very risky, I think, but yeah, skill-wise, Mariaga can't really mess with Conlon. Um, Mariaga can be quite easily outboxed, and he's also 35 years of age now. But yeah, he's more kind of known for his losses. He lost on points to Joet Gonzalez. He lost on points to Oscar Valdez. He lost on points to Nicholas Walters, another name from the past. And the one time he got stopped was when he got in there with Vasily Lomachenko. At one point, he was going to take on Shakur Stevenson, but the fight never ended up um, actually happening. So I think it's a really hard comeback fight there for Conlon, and he's got the pressure of it being in Belfast as well. So again, I'm going to put a sneaky little wager on Miguel Mariaga. I think there's a couple underdogs on this card that could potentially pick up wins. Moving out now to the Sheffield Arena in Sheffield, Yorkshire. This one's going to be on the zone. It's going to clash, unfortunately, with the Conlon card. Let's start with the undercard. We've got heavyweight, the Romford Ball, Johnny Fisher, 5-0 in a six-rounder against Mikel Resinger, who has a record of 3-1. That's over six rounds there. We've also got Campbell Hatton, 7-0. He gets in with Mikkel Dufek who's 34 and 23 with two draws. That's a massive, massive jump up in terms of experienced um, opponents there because Campbell Hatton, you know, he's boxed a few guys early on that hadn't really had many fights. I think most of his opponents had uh, had, had less than 10 fights. This is a guy here who's had, what, 
almost 60. This will be his 60th fight. That's madness. He's got 34 wins. I tell you what, this is this is going to be interesting again. I wonder if there's any uh, value in putting a little sneaky bet on Dufek. I don't know. 34 wins, 22 KOs. Ooh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. To be honest, he put together one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine wins in a row up until his last fight. Wow. That's interesting there. Oh, my God. Wow, wow, wow. I'm going to be betting on some underdogs this weekend. Uh, that's over six rounds, by the way. We've also got Kieran Conway, 17 and and, and two with a draw. Um, Conway coming off that win last time out against James Metcalf. Um, he gets in here with Arrow Schwartz, who's 19 and five with a draw. That's over eight rounds there at Super Welter. We've also got Hopi Price, seven and oh, over eight rounds against Alexander Megia, who's 18 and three. We've got Jordan Thompson, 13 and 0, 11 KOs. He's been banging everyone out since he since he returned to the ring. I think he took a couple years out, come back with three knockouts, all within two rounds. He gets in with a guy called Vasil Dukar, who some people might remember um, g- getting banged out, really, in, in recent times by... Um, I think he got banged out... Oh, who was it by now? Uh, Mike Perez, the Cuban. The Cuban, yeah, he got him out of there. He's also been in there with Chris Billum-Smith and... He also got in there with someone else. I think I wanted to say it was, um, I thought it was Akoli, but I'm not entirely sure it was. I think it was another guy from the UK, though, and he lost to him. Um, let me think. Let me think. No, I'm not sure. But yeah, Vessel Dukar has definitely been in there with Chris Billum Smith. I remember that much. Um, anyway. It's quite tough to be honest. It's, it's a good fight, really, against Jordan Thompson. To be to be honest, Jordan Thompson should probably get him out. It's for the IBF European Cruiserweight title as well. That one there. Also, a brilliant women's fight on the card for the WBC International Super Lightweight title over ten two-minute rounds. We've got Sandy Ryan three and one getting in there with Erica Annabella Farias of. Argentina. Um, the pair fought last time out, so it's a rematch here, of course, an instant rematch. Um, and yeah, last time out, they gave the decision to Erica Farias. It was a split decision over 10 two minute rounds, but she was the rightful winner in most people's eyes. And here they get it on again. Um, is it another case of Sandy Ryan being a bit too rushed? Is it a bit too soon? Should she have perhaps picked up another couple of, of, of wins, you know, a couple of confidence boosting wins and then got in there with her we shall see it's either going to be brilliant matchmaking or absolutely terrible there's going to be no in between there all the best to sandy ryan all the best to erica farius as well and i think it's the main event um dalton smith 11 and oh he gets in with samo mason who's 17 and three with a draw not the most um exciting fight to be honest i'm more so looking forward to the undercard fights like that women's fight I just mentioned, I'm more in- interested in that fight there. I'm more interested in Jordan Thompson and Vassal Dukar. I'm more interested in Campbell Hatton and Michael Dufek. Um, I should say the main event is for the vacant British super lightweight title. So I think <laughs> Dalton Smith will win the fight quite 
quite easily, I'd say, and he will become British champion, so that's brilliant for him. Um, moving out now to the Commerce Casino in Los Angeles, California, friend of the show, Sulem Urbina of Mexico, 12-2 and two with a draw, gets in with Josep Vizcano, who is 10-9, and nine. that's over six two-minute rounds there. And moving to the final card to mention, it takes place at the Dickies Arena in Fort Worth, Texas, USA. Going to start with the undercard. We've got Beck the Bully, Beck Tamir Melikuziev, the guy that got banged out in one of the best knockouts of, I think it was last year, wasn't it, against Gabe Rosado. Um, he is 9-1. and one. He gets in over eight rounds against Sladan Janjanin, who's 32-11. and 11. I've seen him box a few different guys. Uh, we also have Alex Martin, a guy who's 17-4. and four. Some people will remember he was a lot better than some people thought he was going to be when he boxed Michael McKinson when McKinson was set to take on... Um, Virgil Ortiz Jr. and then Alex Martin on fight week became his opponent so it was a bit of a tricky puzzle for Michael McKinson because he was set to take on this this um this um you know this orthodox fighter who is a massive puncher and is a pressure fighter in Virgil Ortiz and instead on fight week they put him in there with a boxer who's very negative who wants to kind of Box and move, run as they say at times, and he's also a southpaw. So southpaw versus southpaw wasn't the best thing. And, um, you know, he, he kind of showed that he's a decent fighter though, Alex Martin. Well, anyway, he gets in with Hank Lundy, 31-10 and 10 with a draw. I thought he'd retired after losing to Robbie Davies Jr., friend of the show from the UK, when he got banged out in just two rounds eight months ago. But all the best to... Hank Lundy, who finds himself in the away corner once again, of course. Um, elsewhere on the card, we have Maurice Hooker. This is a really interesting fight, Eddie, and I'm going to probably come to you for it. Maurice Hooker, 27-2 and with three draws. Obviously, former, uh, former world champion at 140. He gets in there with... Blair Cobbs, who's got a record of 15-1 and one with a draw. I like these weird fights because there's, there's a lot on the line for somebody. And that somebody is Blair Cobbs, obviously getting knocked out in his last fight against Alexis Rocha. Gets in with Maurice Hooker here. Maurice Hooker hasn't had the smoothest run of recent times. He was knocked out in seven rounds last time out by Virgil Ortiz. However, he gave him quite a good fight up until that point. Um, so yeah, there's a lot on the line really for both guys, I guess. But a loss for Blair Cobbs here, and he's got to really, really do some thinking about what has to happen next. And as for Maurice Hooker, I mean, again, if he were to lose to Blair Cobbs, yeah, he's in a tough spot, really, because, I mean, he was world champion at 140, hasn't really made the splash at 147, and losing to Blair Cobbs, who's coming off a knockout loss to Rocha, he would be in a tough position. Um, so, yeah, in, in, in many ways, I guess there's a lot on the line for both men. Um, I will just run on to the main event and then I'll come to you, Eddie, if you want to touch on any of the undercard fights or the main event itself. Virtual Tees Jr., we're finally getting it. It has been rescheduled. It's happening this Saturday, live on DAZN, by the way. 18 and 0, 18 KOs. Virtual Tees Jr. gets in over 12 rounds against Michael McKinson. 22 and 0. Michael McKinson of the UK, friend of the show. Um, it's a fight he's wanted since they first arranged it and obviously he was devastated when he didn't get the fight with um Virgil Ortiz who came down with it with that um horrendous illness so what I will say is 
Michael McKinson has upset the odds, just for those that don't quite know Michael McKinson. He's upset the odds many a time, and he's known really as this guy who can't really punch. He's only got about two or three knockouts out of his 22 wins. Problem is, though, he drops guys a lot. So even though he doesn't get all the stoppages, he does drop guys quite a lot. He's an excellent mover. He's a bit of a switch hitter, but I guess more so a southpaw. He's very, very tricky. And he said it himself, I have the style to beat Virgil Ortiz. And he believes in himself unbelievably, <laughs> if that makes sense. He has a lot of self-belief. Um, he always backs himself. It's his dad who coaches him as well. It's a family unit. His brother's a boxer as well. So it's very, very much a family uh, unit. And like I say, he went out there two fight Ortiz. The fight fell through the first time round on the week of the fight. They tried to give him about think 13 different opponents he said yes to absolutely every one of them he ended up getting in with Alex Martin he managed to beat him in the end it was a tougher fight than we thought and he didn't I guess make the big statement that he would have liked to have made but the fight has been rescheduled it's happening on Saturday I'm so excited of course many people are expecting Ortiz to do what he does to everyone and bang him out because he gets everyone out of there he's still got that 100% knockout streak running but Michael McKinson does have the tools to frustrate and he does have the tools to outbox and win. I just don't know if he's going to be strong enough. He can't let the occasion get to him and it's a tough, tough ask. There's no one who can say it's not. Um, he's very smart though and he knows the task at hand and he's very calculated, very clever and um, whenever he's needed to deliver, he's delivered. So I think it's going to be good. But um, hard to side with him. I'd love to see him do it, but it's hard to side with him. But I, I tell you what, if there's someone in in any fight that's going to be taking place in the next few months that I want to win, I want it to be McKinson. I'd love to see him beat Virgil Ortiz. And I don't think many people are rooting for Mikey McKinson. He doesn't have a massive fan base. But one thing is for sure, if you're a Jaron Ennis fan, you will be root, you'll be rooting for McKinson. <laughs> um, anyway, Eddie, before I wrap the show up, did you want to say anything about that card there at all? Oh man, that that Blair Cobb situation, man. I mean, after losing the way he did to uh, the last kid he fought, uh, Rocha, right, right? I think that's where, yeah, that's it's like, and all this, all the stuff he talks, all the crap he talks, to 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 have you know a situation like that happen, you can't. Obviously, he's not going to end his career on a loss, especially, you know, with, you know, still having some time left, even though he's at, like, 32. He still has time, you know what I mean? But you have to come back, yeah, and you have to be – I think I think with, with, with guys like him, they come off as, like, the kind of guys who they train and everything, but they're just hard – it's hard for – it's hard to believe that they, they go in the gym and actually try to get better because a lot of times these kind of guys who have an extremely high opinion of themselves really feel like – they're already as good as they could possibly get, and there's nobody else that could beat him. Well, in this situation, he's been humbled a little bit, so now he has to figure out, you know, his his role now going into another fight. And I'm not sure, I'm not, I'm not really know much about the kid that he's fighting. I heard, uh, you know, I've heard about him, and you know, he's supposed to be pretty good, but he's also coming off of a big loss, uh, knockout Zucker. loss. Yeah, Maurice Zucker. I haven't really seen much oh, of him. I haven't seen him. Okay, okay. Uh, not much, of him. but. I mean, look, at the end of the day, 
They both have something to prove, and I'm, I'm pretty sure it's going to be an ex- interesting fight. Of course, I know Blair from him being the gym, in the gym with us back in Shooters back in the day when he was a kid. But, um, you know, now, you know, he didn't – I mean, look, you got to give him credit. He's trying to sell himself. He's trying to make himself, uh, you know, a big draw. You know what I mean? Whether you make people hate you or love you, as long as you get them to notice you, you can you can make money with it. So, I mean, I, I applaud him for that. But the more you talk, the more you're going to have that bullseye on your back and then you're going to have to perform. So the way he lost Alexis Rocha can't ha- happen again because if it happens again, he's just going to be a laughing stock. And, you know, you don't want that kind of a situation at all. <laughs> as far as the um, the main event with Virgil Ortiz and uh, McKinson, I mean, Virgil Ortiz, obviously, you know, everybody knows of him with the 100% knockout ratio. But guys like McKinson who are tricky, crafty guys who don't really care about knocking you out, they just want to win, are very, very difficult to beat. Those are the kind of guys like it's, – it's like, it's like when you're coming up in boxing and you're a young guy – and you meet that guy who, who has, like, I don't know, 100 fights. Well, 100 fights, but never been knocked out once. It's like they got that motivation to just survive so they can get that paycheck next week when they got to fight wherever else they're going to be at. You know what I'm saying? It, it kind of has that kind of a situation. But in this case, he's a kid. Obviously, this guy, he can fight. He, he, he's skilled. He has a lot of these tricks. He knows how to survive. You know what I mean? He can, he, he, he's, he's, an, he's one of those spoilers, too. So... Virgil Ortiz really has to come with his A game. He's got to fight this like it's for a world title because it is in a sense because he wants to make sure that he can win this fight to continue to go on and challenge for one later on. So, um, and forget about in this situation, in my opinion, the knockout. Forget about the knockout. Just go out there and get the win. If the knockout presents itself, get it. You know what I mean? Most guys um, lose fights against these tricky, tricky customers because they're looking for one punch and they're looking for a big knockout. You know what I mean? Just ask, um, uh, what's his what's his name? Uh, he's just, uh, the one of the one hundred thirty pound, uh, the one that beat Lomachenko. Jesus, I can't remember. Oh, uh, Lopez. He was looking for that one shot against. Um, uh, what is wrong? I'm, I'm taking too many punches, man. I can't remember. Yes, he was looking for he was looking for a highlight real knockout against him, and look what happened. That Bosa's ended up taking the decision. So. It's just you see so many different examples of how things can go wrong. If I'm Virgil Ortiz, I'm just going out there trying to win the fight in the best possible way. You know what I mean? So interesting card. I'm definitely going to want to see it. But, um, yeah, but there's a lot that can go into it. And, um, you know, we're looking forward to it. Absolutely, we are. There's a lot of fights, I think, that going to be really good this weekend obviously a couple upsets i can see happening in belfast a couple upsets that i can see happening in sheffield and a couple upsets that i can see potentially happening in the dickies arena in fort worth texas so it's going to be very very interesting it certainly is um but that brings the preview part to a close the final thing for me to do is to come in with the outro which i'll do in just a few seconds Okay, and this wraps up episode 355 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. Eddie Chambers has been with me for the duration of the show. 
A huge shout out to our special guest on this week's podcast, the former IBF Super Featherweight World Champion Tevin Farmer. All the best to him come August 12th in Arizona. The biggest thanks of all, though, goes out to you, the listeners. Thanks once again for tuning into this week's podcast. There has been one piece of news break whilst we've been recording the show. Joe Joyce will be fighting Joseph Parker. September 24th is the date for that one in Manchester at the AO Arena. The fight will be telecast on BT Sport Pay-Per-View. There's been no announcement yet on the undercard but what a main event that'll be but that's about everything from myself enjoy your weekends people stay safe and we shall see you all again next week